Would you help me welcome Pastor Chad Everett from the Roads Church, North City, Illinois. Speak to us today. Come on, level in Jesus a moment. Let's give Jesus a bigger hand than that. Come on, he's worthy. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come on, he's the king. Let's worship the king for just a moment. We love you, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. King of glory, come. King of glory, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Todd and Karen, all the pastors of the North Georgia Revival. What an honor to be here and to be with fellow brothers and sisters of, uh, of the kingdom. And I sense the Lord's presence. This is never good for me. <laughs> oh. Actually, it's always good for me. I parked, um, I parked last night, someone let me in the parking lot, and I got out of the car, and the first question they said was, are you gonna preach actually this time? And I said, well, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not, and I meant that as in, I just always want him to come. Yeah. I have no desire for me to be heard, I have no desire for me to be known, I just, all uh, ambition to become somebody is, it's left me because I've seen him in a way that I can't unsee. And uh, so, so now uh, all I think about, I loved what Prophet Jeremiah said last night, that all I think about, I was saying this to my church uh, last week, that I just think about someday he's really, he's really gonna split that eastern sky. He's really, really, really gonna be coming on a horse and I'm gonna be like, there he is, there he is, there he is, the king of glory, there he is, it's been worth it, hey, it's real, he's alive, he's alive, thank God Almighty, he's alive. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. <laughs> oh, man. Can you see him? <laughs> oh, man. Everything we've been believing for, everything we've talked about, every sermon you've ever preached will pale in comparison to the twinkling of an eye when you see something. <laughs> You'll be like, oh man, I've been talking about stuff I had no idea. I did the best I could to describe him, but nothing can compare to what my eyes are beholding right now. Oh, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. It's never even entered into the heart of man what God is doing. He's alive. Oh, we glory to you, Jesus. Woo, we love you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. What now, Lord? <laughs> what now, Lord? <laughs> Come, Lord Jesus. Let's just pray. That's what I always like to do best when I have no idea what to do. Let's just ask him. Jesus, 
I just yield the floor to you, Lord. You are my king. I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. That's all that we're asking for. We're not here to hear another cute sermon to make us feel better about ourselves. Lord, we just want to hang out with you. We want to be with you, King Jesus. Come, come, come. Abide in this place, Lord Jesus. We roll out the welcome mat for you, Lord. Come and wreck us for traditional habits. Wreck us for church growth mentality, God. Rack us for everything that's selfish and ambitious, God. Come, Lord. Come, Daddy. We just yield to you, Jesus. We yield, Holy Spirit. There is nobody like you, Lord. There's no one, no one, no one. Just want to be with you, oh, King of glory, fill this room. Lord, how we long to see you, to look upon your face. (laughs) Lord, I could only imagine. Lord, I pray that you restore in our hearts a reminder of why we do what we do, that it's all for you. It's all to see you. It's all to be with you. Nobody else matters but you. The opinions of no one else matters. We're not auditioning for fame. We're not auditioning for approval of men. We're just here to worship at your feet. We're here to kneel before you and say, King of glory, come. Come, King of glory. (laughs) I feel your presence, God. I thank you, Lord, that we empty ourselves of everything that is not you. Jesus, Jesus, King, get all the glory. I pray that you're the only name that's remembered. I pray that you're the only voice that's really heard. But my brothers and sisters that have come today, they will see you in a way that cannot be unseen. I pray for the fire of Holy Spirit to burn in their hearts, God, with something beyond growing their church and giving a great message. Lord, I pray that their hearts will burn in passionate zeal for you and for your presence. Come, God. Come, God. Thank you, Lord. You're worthy of the praise. Surrender. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Have your way, have your way, have your way. There's nobody but you, Lord. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm just listening. <laughs> Pastor Todd's going to stop asking me to come. I never, can, never come and say anything. I just come, <laughs> come and cry. And it's like, why am I bringing you? I understand, buddy. I understand. I want to I speak to uh, pastors and leaders who's come here today that doesn't have your name on a chair. Oh. 
I've been coming, I've been pastoring for 17 years now and I knew nothing about what I was doing. I was handed a church that was uh, not in the best of shape and I had no experience. I had no father, I had no grandfather, I had no, and I, nobody in my family were pastors. I didn't, I didn't know, I'd, I'd been preaching for a long time. I got the call of God when I was 14 years old and so I'd been preaching since I was, since I was 14 but, but pastoring's a whole different animal. I love to preach. <laughs> I love to preach. <laughs> so I, I preached every Sunday for my pastor for seven years, and that was, that was fine. But then the day, 24 hours, when I went from just the assistant back up quarterback. You know how the fans will cheer for the backup quarterback. Give us, give us the backup when the starter's struggling. I was the backup. But just 24 hours after I became the lead, all of a sudden things turned. I'm like, I, I'm still the same. I'm like, I haven't changed. So I, wanna, I went to conferences and I, I was trying to learn. I was trying to figure out, I gotta grow my church. If I'm gonna win, I gotta grow the church and that's what we're supposed to do because you come to the conference. How many, how many church churches? I'm in a town of 1,200 people. So how am I ever gonna grow the church? Lord, I missed you somehow. I surely have, should be called to a larger city, more population. And so I would go and, and they would say, how many people at your church? I'd say, well, 150 to 180, somewhere in that neighborhood. But we try not to count. It's only discouraging. <laughs> and so I went to all these conferences about you know, how long you're supposed to go and how, what you're supposed to say and not say and set up chairs. And 20 minutes for worship max, maybe 18, 18 and a half, 17.25, somewhere in there. <laughs> somewhere. 20 minutes for worship max, and then 30 minutes for a message, and then, and then 10 minutes of announcements, offering things like that. And, and so that puts you somewhere around the 60, 65 minute mark, and, and really that should be good. And, and so we, we tried to model after that the best that we could, and, and man, things were going well, we were, we were growing. And in our town of 1,200 people, we, we, we grew a church attendance where we averaged over 900 people every Sunday. And we thought, man, we are winning, we are winning. And every week, <laughs> Lord, let me at least talk. Can I at least get it out? No. Can, I at least <laughs> Can I at least say something, Daddy? <sighs> My heart burns for Jesus. Because I, I go to those conferences and nobody knew where I was and nobody cared about how many people, nobody, nobody asked for me, nobody knew for me, nobody asked me to come to any conferences, nobody asked to come to all of these things and I was unfulfilled. We, but we got over 900 people in, 1200, a, ten, uh, in a town of 1,200. Aren't we special? But something was missing in my life. Then COVID happened, what a blessing. It was a blessing because everybody disappeared. Everybody went home. And, and the Lord began to ask me, he said, what kind of church are you building? He said, look out. I was preaching to the cameras and we had our cameras and I was strategically looking at each camera like a great professional will do. And the Lord said, who are you talking to? Where is everybody? 
And he said, what are they going to be when they come back? And conviction hit me that I was not building a house for the presence of God, I was building one that people would like to come to. So the Lord began to deal with us, and so I want to talk to those that are, feel like nobody knows who you are. You're not asked to go to conferences. I used to fight to find a seat just like many of you and, and try and learn and take copious notes on how to grow my church, but what you just heard in this first session is more valuable than what you will hear in conference after conference after conference. Die, die, die. <laughs> That's your message. Those are your notes. God bless you. Have a great weekend. So I want to talk to you just briefly about whatever he wants to talk about. But I, I just love him. I don't know. I don't know. He's just stirring my heart. I don't know why. I just... God, I want to give everything to you. I don't want to hold anything of myself. I don't want to value anything of me. I just want you to have the floor. Uh, if you got a Bible there, would you just go to Matthew chapter 16? We'll see if this is what he's saying. I trust it is. Thank you. I want to thank all the Rhodes Church people that come. I, I have some of the best people in the world uh, at our church, and uh, nobody knows where we're from, but but I know who they are, Jesus knows who they are, and we just wanna say thank you, Dawn and I, my wife Dawn, we have five children, and uh, I'm so thankful for the gift of my family, I'm thankful. I really don't like to cry, I'm really kind of a, I'm just kidding, I do, I do, I do. I don't know if I like it, I didn't used to. I didn't used to. My dad always used to say, and it's not because my dad's a bad man, he just, generational leadership of my grandpa to my dad, my, suffer in silence, son. The tough men never cry. I remember a friend of mine, Darren's his name, and we were playing, and we played football, and you know, we were pretty rough, and, and Darren got hit, I don't remember what happened, but Man, he popped up, and I remember my dad, you know how some things are said and they stick in your mind, and, and my dad said, man, that Darren, he popped up and he go up, he said, that Darren's the toughest kid I've ever seen. And I said in my heart, he's seen me? Has he seen me? Okay, Darren, you'll never see a, better, a person tougher than me, Dad. But something started to form inside of me that wasn't godly. It was a manhood that's not born of God because God loves a broken and contrite heart and I, he's looking for that. What a powerful message. Can we just play that back and we'll just relearn? But I, I, was, I was coming in from the mantle of that a man's solid and never broken. And so, but Jesus came and has tore me down. He, he, he broke me down. He, he said, peel that off, Chad. I, I want to get something on the inside of you that will be soft and pliable and tender to me that you get up in front of people and you don't care who's there. You don't care who the audience is. You'll cry. You'll kneel before him. You'll lay before him that it's all about him and not about you. Come on, Jesus. I love you. All right. I'll, just so you know that I do know the Bible, let's actually go to a scripture. <laughs> I feel like Jesus was saying to me about this conference, this empty conference, 
Jesus was saying that too often the body of Christ is full of things that it should be empty of and empty of the things it should be full of. That we're full of the wrong stuff and we're empty of the right stuff. Specifically, what I, I feel like the Lord's saying to me is that specifically I wanna talk about the difference between rational knowledge and revelation knowledge. But too many as pastors, we get full of rational knowledge on how to grow our church and we get empty of revelation knowledge on how to know God. There's a difference in growing our church friends and knowing Jesus. So let's, uh, let's talk about that. Matthew chapter 16. I, I believe now in these times the church universal needs great leaders more than ever that are first great followers. So if you're trying to be somebody special, if you're trying to get in inner circles and in green rooms where people know you, can I just, can I just encourage you to stop? Just give yourself a break and just die to that. There is no uh, zenith that you're gonna arrive at when you get asked to speak at a certain conference or your, your name's at the top of a building. There's never going to be a moment where you get fulfillment out of that. Fulfillment's gonna come from knowing the King of glory and having him speak into your heart. That's where fulfillment's gonna come from. So my prayer is that you'll go away from this conference not with more rational church growth knowledge, but revelation knowledge from the very voice of God to build your life on. Matthew chapter 16. says in verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Who do men, who do people say that I am? Who's saying this? Who's, who's talking? Who's the source? The source is people. What is society saying? What is culture saying? What are, what are church leaders saying? What are other people doing? What are other pastors saying? And I wanna encourage people that too many times, uh, pastors and leaders, we get so encouraged to look at what others are doing. They're asking, what are they doing? We go to conferences, what do, what do I need to do? I need to have how many weeks of my introductory class and how long should it be? And, and we're taking all these notes and we're asking what people are saying. What are people saying? What are they saying? This is what Jesus was asking his disciples. What are people saying about me? What is culture saying about me? And that's fine. There's some practical things we could learn. But too many times we're focused on what people are saying. That's what Jesus asked. He said, what, what are people saying? When they said, they replied back, well, some say, you know, some John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets, some, some say this, some say that, others say something else. They say, they, some, other. They say a lot of different things. Here's what it's important for us to understand. When our source is other people, there will be multiple possibilities. There will be confusion. There will be options. There will be pros and cons. There will be stress and anxiety. When people's voice are our source, we will struggle with not knowing what to do because some say this, others say that. And too many times as pastor leaders, we're, we're leaning too heavily on what some or others are saying. And so there was saying, well, some say our church should only be 70 minutes long, and others say it should be two and a half hours long. Which is it? Some this, some that, some communion every Sunday, some every, every six weeks, some. We're trying to figure out what some are saying because our goal 
is impure. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the other people that watch this back later. But our goal is impure because our goal is what do we need to do to get people to come? That's ultimately, if we break it down, if we're honest, if we're totally transparent, pastors, nobody else is here listening. But if we truly figure out, truly figure out what's, how, many, how long should our service be, how, what kind of songs should we do, it's really about what will make people accepting and want to come in. So we're asking the wrong questions to the wrong people. This represents rational knowledge. What do people say? What do people say? What, well, some this, some that, others this. Rational knowledge. Too many are trying to lead their ministry and church on rational church growth knowledge, and God's wanting us to empty that. Because I'm totally convinced that in this day, in this hour, the Holy Spirit is gonna move on people that are gonna do irrational things. I believe they're gonna do things that are irrational. That other people will say, well, you can't do that. Well, we just did. We just did. You can't come to the North Georgia Revival and just kneel and cry and for 50 minutes straight. You can, if that's what he wants. We're not trying to figure out what will work best for them. We're trying to figure out what will connect with him and bring him into the space, into our hearts. And some, I don't know if you've read all of the Bible, but, but some things God has done is a tad bit irrational. So let's don't be afraid of irrational. Some say this, some say that, but 15, he says, he said, but, but, but who do, who do, you say. I'm not talking about some and I'm not talking about others, but who do you say? What do you know for yourself? I know you've gone to church conferences and I know the leading pastors say this is what you should do and they be leading because what? Because they have big congregations. What is, I don't know what that means. I'm not discrediting large congregations. Some people would look at our church and say, you're one of them mega churches. I'm like, not now. But what is mega? To a church of 50 people, we're a mega church. Stop worrying about the numbers and worry about who you're connecting with. Because it says here, you said, listen, well, who do you say? It doesn't matter what I say to you today about Jesus. Who do you say? What's your personal revelation knowledge? Jesus was asking them. I know what some say and what others say, but my question to you is, what do you say? What's your personal revelation of God? Forget some and forget others. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. We will not operate in the fullness of what God wants us to do unless we have full revelation, personal revelation knowledge. Who do we say? What has God spoken to you? Too often we're full of what everyone else has said and empty of what God has spoken because we're lazy. Not you, but I'm just saying in general, Right, lazy, because it's easier to have someone, hey, can you tell me what I need to do to grow my church by 20%? It's easier to do that than to fast and pray and seek the face of God, spend time in prayer, humble yourself and say, God, whatever you wanna do, I die to my agenda, I live for yours. People don't wanna do that. That costs something. But we cannot build faith 
on rational knowledge alone. We can only build faith on revelation knowledge. So I can't have faith to believe God is going to do something in my life based on what some or others say. Hear me for just a moment if you don't mind. Faith in our life is only going to be built on what God has said to you. He can say it through someone else. I can hear it through a message and I can hear God speaking to me and I can release faith in that. But unless it's rhema, unless it's revelation of God to me, I cannot build faith on hearsay. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I can only build faith on a word from God. You can't build faith on a word from Chad. A word from Chad can be inspired by God and God, I can speak it out and then the Holy Spirit speak to you about that word and then boop, rhema comes up on the inside of you but that comes from God, not from man. So we cannot build our church based on what some say and what others say. It has to be, am I getting a word from God for my church? Am I getting a word from God for our ministry? Well, they're, they're baptizing people. Well, we need to baptize. Have you got a word from God? Praise the Lord. Look at verse 16. Simon Peter, so who do you say that? Simon Peter pipes up. He asked all the disciples, you'll see that in verse 13, but in 16, Peter, who's always quick to give a response. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. No questions, no maybe, no I think so. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood does not reveal this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. Blessed are you. Blessed, the Greek word makarios means favored, happy, fortunate. Favored, happy, and fortunate are you, Simon Barjona. Favored, happy, and fortunate are you. Why is he favored, happy, and fortunate? He says right there, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for. That word tells us why. Favored, happy, and fortunate are you because or for. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. Another way we could change that verse, you could say, you are blessed, Simon Barjona, because my Father has revealed this to you. You are blessed because the Father revealed something to you. So the blessing is found in the Father revealing something to us, not even what he revealed to us. This is important. Oh, help us, Lord, help us, Lord. The blessing is not the information itself, it's the source. Because here's what we'll do, here's what we'll do. We're such creatures of habit. Lord, forgive us. If we think, if we make it about the information itself, then as soon as we get the information, we check out. I got what I need. I'm praying, I'm, I need an answer, I need direction, I need direction, I need direction, I need answer, Lord, I need an answer. I need. He gives us an answer. All right, thank you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The blessing that Simon Barjona had was not in the fact that God told him something. It's as, as far as the information itself. The blessing is the fact that the Father reveals truth to us. So now we keep running back to him for revelation truth, not just for information in general. So now 
Because the problem is if we don't need to know any information, we'll not go to the Father for revelation. Well, I don't need to know anything, so I just won't even pray today. I won't even be, I won't be stressed out. I won't be asked, God, why? Because I don't know any. Then we don't really want him. We just want information from him. And we only want information from him to help us so that we will look better. Am I being too transparent in a pastor's conference? Well, this is what I'm talking about, emptying. If we're gonna empty it out, let's get it all out on the table. And then we're really trying to pump ourselves up so we look good in front of people. Let's empty all that out and say, Jesus, take the platform, take the podium. I don't want it, it doesn't matter. I just need you, Jesus. People are addicted to platforms and I gotta have a space, I gotta have somebody's gotta hear me, hear me, hear me. You don't need to hear me. You need to see him. See him. See him. And I'm telling you folks, we can't talk about to our people, we can't talk about people in our life about you need to see him if we've never seen him ourselves. We talk down to them like you need to do this, you need to do that. We need to get on our face and humble ourselves before God and we need to see him for ourselves and we talk from revelation, not from rational preaching. Oh, Jesus. It has to be about him and not about the information. Sometimes we're too focused on what's trending in church rather than what's being revealed by God to us through prayer. Just what's, what's trending? What, what, are, what are people doing nowadays? What do you mean people doing nowadays? Maybe if what they're doing nowadays wasn't revealed by God and we get all tied up in it because that's what church is doing right now. It's a culture. Worship leaders, be careful. Be careful. Be careful that you don't get caught up in the trends of leading worship. Lead from revelation of worshiping the king of glory. Well, we don't go that long anymore. Says who? Who said how long you got to go for worship? Let him decide how long worship lasts. Let's just worship him all through your precious preaching time and let Jesus get all the glory and all the praise. Jesus, I'm tired, I'm tired of, I'm tired of seeing, filter, filter. <laughs> we don't want to be, we don't want to be men and women of God, we don't want to be celebrity status preachers that during the worship time, we're just standing there like hurry up and get to my time. Hurry up and get done with this little singing stuff so I can bring the word of God. I, just, I, I, just, I can't have it. I can't. I've seen something. I'm seedy, but I, so now I'm like, is it my turn already? I, just, I was in the midst of worshiping him. I, I got to break this and come up there? I don't, I don't even want to come up. I just want to worship him some more. I just want to praise him some more. <laughs> oh, he's worthy of all the glory and praise. Woo! Jesus, Jesus. Oh, so now, he said, blessed are you, Simon or Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. What's the word reveal means? It's a, it's a Greek word, apokalupto, it means to take the cover off of something, to, to unveil something 
to make known something that was previously hidden or unknown. Not that it didn't exist, mind you. It did exist, but you just didn't know about it. Oh, and this is so important to me. It's so important to me. Because revelation knowledge, I need to have clear understanding that everything God wants me to know is known. Not by me, but it is known. If I will know in my heart that everything God has prepared for me, prepared. Your prepared means that it's already ready. It's just got covers on it. (laughs) And sometimes he'll pull the cover back and say, look what I got for you. I'm like, whoa, I didn't know that was for me. He said, it's been there all all along. But you hadn't sought me for it, so I couldn't reveal. You're trying to think your way through ministry, but if you'll pray your way through, I'll reveal to you things that you've never seen before. So it's, it's, it's there, we just don't know about it. I think it's vitally important to encourage. We get discouraged in ministry because we, about the things we don't know, and I think we need to be encouraged to know the one who does know. That there's, because hope comes, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but hope comes knowing Faith is the substance of of things hoped for, the expectation, the the expectancy, the substance, it's it's all there. The evidence of the things that we don't see. So I'm thinking about, Lord, I don't know what we're going to do, but if I know, but you know, instead of, I have no idea what we're going to do, I have no idea what we're going to do, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Anybody been there besides me? I just have no idea. I so relate with what Pastor Todd said about times in ministry where you just think, Lord, I got, I got to do something else. But if you can get some hope in you that somebody knows, and the one that knows loves you so much, there's a confidence in that. So, the, so he says that my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. How do, how do we fill up with revelation knowledge? How do we fill up with revelation knowledge? Here's again, something I think uh, we need to emphasize in church and in pastoral leadership is less rational knowledge and more how to get revelation knowledge. It's less giving people fish and more teaching them how to fish. Teach them how to pray and seek the face of God and you will never want for anything a day in your life come to a conference and figure out two, three pages worth of notes on what to do. You go home, you can't remember what they said and how they said it. You're trying to figure out how to implement it. You're getting your team together and you're saying, I don't know, they said something about doing this. We need to do that. They were doing this. But when we pray and seek God, it's a different type of instruction. So how do we do it? I'm gonna tell you one way. One way you can do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Hold your finger there and Matthew, we'll come back. How do we fill up on revelation knowledge? Pursue love, verse one, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to he who speaks in a tongue. If you don't believe in speaking in tongues, then you can ignore this part of your Bible. But it is in your Bible. 
The Apostle Paul wrote, I didn't used to believe in speaking in tongues. I was raised that you didn't speak in tongues, all that. I'm not here to teach on that. But I had to realize that Paul, the Apostle Paul that wrote so much of the New Testament, said, I wish that, I, that you would speak in tongues. I, I speak in tongues more than you all. And he said, I wish that you all would speak in tongues. And I began to think, well, why would Paul say that? Why would Paul say that? Paul's the man who knows about the gospel. Why would he say that if it's not for me? What am I missing out on? Because Paul talked about the abundance of the revelations. How did he get the abundance of these revelations? But he said, but I speak in tongues more than you all. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. Here's the key. This was the revelation moment for me. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Once I did actually believe in speaking tongues, then I wanted to speak in tongues just to be a part of the club. Just so when it was tongue talking time in church. Like I'm in, you know, like I'm in the group. Yeah, I can do it too. Yeah, check. But I didn't know what I was doing. But the Holy Spirit brought revelation to me on this scripture that when I'm praying in tongues, I'm speaking to God, and in the Spirit, I am literally speaking mysteries. While I'm speaking in tongues, I am speaking mysteries that just like I am downloading from heaven into my spirit hidden things that are not revealed to my natural mind. But my spirit is soaking it up. So why do I want to speak in tongues? Because I want to speak mysteries. This word mysteries is the Greek word mysterion, which means things that has not been known before but has been revealed to an in-group or a restricted constituency. When I'm praying in tongues, I'm not talking about restricted constituency as in a clique of a denomination or something like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people who get revelation from God. He's revealing something to them that not everybody's going to get. Not everybody's gonna get this type of thing. I don't know why, but he said, you speak mysteries. You're downloading these truths. And so how can we build revelation knowledge? We need to pray in tongues more often. I just kind of a, drop that and move on. Pray in tongues more often. You're like, I don't pray in tongues at all. Well, you can before you leave today. You can before you leave today. It's, it's so easy. It's so easy. Jesus wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. You don't have to stress over it. You don't have to put on a show about it. Just how did you get born again? You believed in your heart and you said, Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. Come, be my Lord of my life. And by faith you received, by grace through faith you were born again. Well, by that same process you can receive Holy Spirit and be filled with Holy Spirit. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 real quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm just talking about, I just want to give a quick on how can we build revelation knowledge because I feel like sometimes we just talk about things that get excited and we don't talk about the practical side of how to do it. I don't wanna hype anyone. I don't wanna hype anyone because I'm, I want Jesus to build us on solid foundation of his word and on his presence and so that we can actually walk out with something revelatory in our hearts to grow on. In 1 Corinthians chapter two, I'm just gonna start in verse six. This whole chapter is fire, but I don't have time to read it all. However, we speak wisdom. We speak wisdom? What did we just say in 1 Corinthians 14? However, in the spirit, he speaks 
mysteries. Okay, hold that thought. So however we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Here's what I get out of that. You can break it down for yourself. But here's what God began to speak to me with 1 Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 2. I put these two together. And he said, Chad, when you pray in the spirit, you are speaking mysteries. And those mysteries are actually the wisdom of God that has been hidden. It's ordained before the ages for our glory. So whenever you pray in tongues, you are literally speaking the hidden wisdom of God over your situation. Like, I don't know what I'm saying. He said, that doesn't matter. You don't have to know what you're saying. Just download it into your heart and I will reveal it to you. But if you don't download it, if you don't spend time praying in tongues, praying in the spirit, I can't put into you what you can't receive in your natural mind. Let me keep reading which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared, made ready in advance for those who love him. So your eye hasn't seen what God's prepared for you. Your ear hasn't heard what God's prepared for you. It hasn't even entered into your heart what God has prepared for you. But that does not mean it's still not prepared. We'd be out playing, playing ball, doing whatever, and all of a sudden we would hear the call. My dad, used, my dad had a whistle, and I don't know if you guys had that. You know, my dad, it was, took me years to learn. I practiced and practiced. I'm like, I could never figure it out. I don't want to do it now. I don't want to blow out the microphone. Yeah, something like that. So we'd be playing, me and my brother in the neighborhood, and, and then all of a sudden this whistle would come out, and then we know, hey, that's supper time. The whistle told me that something was ready for me. I couldn't see it. I couldn't taste it. But I got excited. Why did I get excited? Because the whistle told me something. It told me I had, I had a confidence in the whistle. Never once did I run in from that whistle. And he say, just kidding. No food on the table, just a couple of ding-dongs or something there. I mean, it not, he never did that. When I come there, there was something ready. And that's what I'm saying. Whenever we pray in the Spirit, I can't see what God has prepared for me. I can't hear what God has prepared for me. But that doesn't mean it's not ready. We've got to get excited in the Spirit before we ever see it with the eyes. Get excited in the Spirit before we ever hear it with the ears. Rational knowledge is limiting our joy. Because we're waiting on the rational knowledge to confirm a promise of God. I can't get excited until I see it. When things turn, when things move around, when things finally shift in our church, then I'll get excited. Why are we waiting? I know why we're waiting. I've done the same thing. But I'm just saying, God's trying to tell us, how about a word from God get us excited? Because he says, but as God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, revelation knowledge coming through a spirit, not through our natural mind. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what, a man, what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. 
Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, not the rational mind alone, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Teach me how to pray, Holy Spirit. Comparing spiritual things was spiritual, but the natural mind, the rational mind, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. This is why we pray in the Spirit and seek after revelation knowledge, because rational knowledge will not help us receive what God has for us. We'll choke on it. We'll choke on it. All right, let's go back to Matthew. Let me finish this. Verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on this rock, on this revelation, knowledge, ability, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. There's a lot we could say there, but I'm just going to say this. The gates of Hades will not prevail against a church that's built on revelation knowledge. And I talk about church, I'm not talking about a building, I'm talking a body of Christ that's built on revelation. Now, the devil has nothing to, he, he cannot handle a believer that operates in revelation knowledge because he can't see it, he can't hear it, he doesn't know about it, and you're, you're getting all excited, you're in your prayer time, you're marching around, you're claiming this, you're just praying in the spirit, and he's like, what are they doing? What are they doing? What is it? Why is she so excited? Why is he so excited? They should be depressed with what's going on. Don't they see their attendance? Don't they see their money? Don't they see all this? Why are they so excited? Because you see something that he can't see. You hear something that he can't hear. We're not waiting to see it with our eyes. We're saying, Lord, I thank you for what you have prepared for me. So I'll build, I'll build my church on that. And he said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Ooh, so much to say here, but I'm just going to throw this in. The keys that he's giving us of the kingdom of heaven are not church growth strategies. The keys he's given us are spiritual keys with revelation, knowledge of who he is. It's not informational what we can do. It's who he is. What was the revelation that the Father gave, gave to Peter? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The greatest revelation we can get is not how to grow our church, but to see Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, man. So jump down. Verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer. Right there is where we lose most of our disciples. That's where we jump off the revelation knowledge and we jump onto the rational knowledge. Because when you start talking about, you're not talking about my increase and my money and blessing. And when you start talking about suffering and dying and cost and crosses, I'm out. Well, I, he began to teach them about he must suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. Jesus just dropped a revelation bomb on them and they missed it. I, I don't, I'm not criticizing them. I miss all kinds of stuff. But he just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be killed and be raised on the third day. All they focused on was being killed. 
are you serious? Why would we not go and be killed and be raised? Be raised? Are you serious? You're gonna be raised? Whoa! Are you kidding me, guys? Did you hear him say he's gonna be raised? No, what did they focus on? Same thing we focus on. We focus on the negative. We focus on what's going wrong. We focus on the suffering. We focus on the pain. We focus on the problems. Gonna be killed. He's gonna be killed. Gonna be killed. He's gonna be killed. You said he's gonna be killed. What's that gonna mean for us? If he dies, he's our leader. What's gonna happen to us if he's killed? And be raised the third day. He's gonna be killed. Killed. God's asking us to empty ourselves of the criticism and the negative and be filled with resurrection. Be filled with the life of God. Go, let me finish 22. Then Peter took him. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I, I looked up that word rebuke. Just It says to admonish, to reprimand, to forbid, to threaten with strong disapproval. Can you imagine the Son of God, the King of glory, and you pull him aside, and you begin to admonish him, to reprimand him, to threaten him with strong disapproval? What was going on? Rational knowledge. Rational. You must suffer and die. That doesn't make sense. You're supposed to restore the kingdom. We're supposed to take over and kick out these Romans. What you're saying doesn't make sense. But God never asked what he told us to make sense. He asked what he tells us to make faith. Make faith. Make faith. He doesn't ask us to understand it. He doesn't ask us to figure it out. Just what you say, yes, sir, I receive it into my spirit. But rational knowledge will get us to actually rebuke the word of the Lord in our life. I know we would never do what Peter did, right? We would never pull Jesus aside and say, that doesn't make sense. That's not gonna work in my town with my people. Other people, I'm not talking to any of you. Right, how many, oh Lord Jesus, forgive me. How many times have I rebuked him with my unbelief? And I said, I can't. I can't, Lord, they won't. He said, this shall not happen to you. But he turned, Jesus turned and said to him, Peter, or said to Peter, sorry, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. That word offense is the word scandalon, it means a trap or a snare. It's a, the word they would use for a stick that they would hold up a trap and they would pull the stick out and something with bait on it and, and something would be trapped in there. And, and he said, you're, you're, you are a trap for me. You're a scandalon, you're a snare, you're a stumbling block to me. In other words, this is the word of my father for my life. And what you are telling me is a trap to go against what the father has put in my heart to do. I don't care, oh, we need to hear this from God. I don't care if it doesn't make sense, devil. 
You're a trap for me to go after rational knowledge and do what makes sense instead of pursue the voice of the Father who put it into my heart and live by revelation knowledge. You are an offense to me, a trap to me. I'm not going to listen to you. And this is what we need in our life, leaders. Realize any word that comes to you that is not from the voice of God, it is a trap, it is a snare to get caught up in growing your church and, and get the best sermon ever because guess what? In six days, you got to give another one. Then you got to top that one. Then you got to top that one. It's a hamster wheel. Say, so get behind me, Satan. You're offense to me for you are not mindful of the things of God but you are mindful of the things of men. Let me add with this. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but you are mindful of the things of men. Your mind is full of the things of men, and your mind is empty of the things of God. This is what I believe like the Lord wanted to speak to me and share in my heart first and then give to you. I believe too many times in the church our mind is full of the things that men have said, people have done, our own voice criticizing us, condemning us, the voice of the enemy. Our mind is full of what people have done, people have said, what I have said, what I have done, my own inadequacies, my, my own, own weaknesses, and my mind is not full of the things of God. Jesus had one statement there that he said to Satan. He said, get behind me. The word behind means to get to the back, to no longer follow. Get to the back, to no longer follow. I wanna close with this. Would you guys just stand to your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Get to the back and no longer follow. I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna draw hearts right now for people that are too full of disappointments, discouragements, hurts, and betrayals. You're too full of voices that have told you you'll never do it, you'll never amount to anything, you're never gonna be any good, you're never gonna get out of this rut, you're never gonna get out of this season, you're, you're never gonna do this, you're never gonna do that, but God is saying, I want you to tell him to get behind you. I'm no longer gonna follow that voice of discouragement, I'm no longer gonna follow that voice of disappointment, I'm not, no longer gonna follow the lies of the enemy, I'm gonna follow the voice of my Father. I'm gonna follow the voice of revelation. So get behind me, past. Get behind me, discouragement. Get behind me, failure. Get behind me, fear. Get behind me, unbelief. I'm not following you anymore. I'm not saying the voice won't be there, but we're just not going to follow him anymore. We're going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're going to follow the voice of God. Revelation knowledge is going to lead the way. Some of you just say in your heart, get behind me, failure. Get behind me, lies of the enemy. Paul said, this one thing I know, forgetting those things are behind and pressing forward to the things that are ahead. 
What do you need to leave behind right now? What do you need to leave behind at this conference? What do you need to leave behind? I don't know what you came here with that you need to leave behind, but it dies in Dawsonville. I want you to buy a plot. I want you to buy a tombstone for it. And I want you to bury it right here, right now. Bury, get behind me fear of man. Get behind me selfish ambition. Get behind me worried about what other people think. Worry about status and how many people. Get behind me in Jesus' name. I die, I die, I die to the applause of people. And I live for the voice of my Father. One voice. All other voices get behind me. Get behind me. Your mind is full of too many things that God did not ask you to meditate on. Paul said to meditate on these things. He told Joshua to meditate on the word of God day and night. God told me to ask you, what are you meditating on right now? What is your mind full of? Is your mind full of what God is speaking to you or is your mind full of the problems going on in your church? Is your mind full of the criticism? Is your mind full of the voices afterwards that that was a terrible sermon? Or is your mind full of what God has spoken? If we're leaning on rational mind and rational knowledge, we will be void of the voice of God and void of life. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for all of us, God. We just yield, come. We empty out every voice that's not of you. Lord, I pray that our mind will be full of the voice of God and empty of the lies of the devil. Empty, empty of things you're not saying and full of things you are saying. Holy Spirit, I just pray that we will bury, bury our past and not follow those voices anymore. Get behind me, Satan. You're not leading my life anymore. You're not leading this ministry. You're not leading our church. Get behind me. I am following the voice of the King. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor Todd.